it's funny, people will sometimes say, well, DEI, you're kind of limiting your pool. It's just the opposite. We're completely expanding the pool because the prior pool was people who look like people who are already here. And I think that's by sort of breaking that cycle and saying, we're not just gonna settle for people that look like the people that are hiring. That's what's allowed us to bring in a lot more talented people. Welcome to the Next Gen Banker podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and talk with the innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. I am your host, David Reiling, and I am very excited and intrigued to welcome and have a conversation with Ron Feldman from the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis today. Ron, thank you for being on the Next Gen Banker podcast. Yeah, I'm excited, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, quick note for our audience, stick around to hear our musical feature at the end of the episode. Uh, Each Next Gen Banker episode showcases one new artist from around the world representing a wide range of genres. So check that out. And audience uh, today, uh, give you a little background on Ron. He is the first vice president and chief operating officer at the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. He is responsible for bank operations, including budgeting, strategic planning, and workforce and talent development. Ron has been at the bank since 1995 and has published more than 50 articles on banking. He is also the co-author of Too Big to Fail, Hazards of Bank Bailouts. Uh, Quite a book if you want to check that out. Highly recommend it. So, Ron, I just have to start out today. Um, Hiring is is our topic Um, specifically recruiting and retaining a diverse workforce. But uh, my audience is probably doing a little bit of of what's up in their head of saying, hey, you got two white guys talking about recruiting and retaining a diverse workforce. Um, And I would say to them, hey, we might have been part of the problem, but we're part of the solution today. And uh, this topic is very important to the both of us. And I know the Minneapolis Fed has made some commitments to make sure that you're attracting and retaining a, a diverse workforce. Um, I believe you put out a series of webinars on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so tell me this, why is it uh, a diverse workforce so important uh, for the Fed and and to be a leader in this area? Yeah, and I'm glad you started with sort of um, not even acknowledging saying who we are, I mean, particularly on a podcast where you can't see it. I, I think that's critical because the fact of the matter is lots of organizations even if they're not necessarily run by white guys, our hiring decisions are being made by white guys. And we're just not going to make any progress if we don't acknowledge that that white males have to be part of what I view as a solution to the problem. So, I mean, why why the focus? I mean, you know, it's interesting. There's lots of different ways of talking about this issue. I think there's um, there's moral ways of talking about the issues. There's political ways of talking about the issues. And some folks talk about the issues sometimes in the context of, hey, if you get a diverse team together, you're going to get better decisions. I, I think our focus really, in some sense, has been even slightly different. Um, I think by, and I'll just turn it over to get a reaction from you. I think when we have focused on diversity, equity, inclusion in hiring and retaining our talent, we are actually much better at hiring and retaining everyone. Um, and that's not a everyone matters. That's not what I mean. I actually mean in the course of, of hiring a more diverse workforce, we are actually hiring better workers. We are hiring people who are giving greater lift to our organization 
because the way we're going about hiring and the way we're actually operating the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis is actually better than it was before, let alone the fact that it's just more inclusive voices. It's actually doing a better job at the stuff that we used to do. Yeah, I would agree with you. And and we face the same, uh, I think, opportunity in that is where we continue to looking at of how we're marketing and how we're recruiting and then how we are interviewing. I think it's really brought the attention to um, what what is important to us, what values are we looking for? And, um, and in the uh, prospects that we're talking to, we can have a deeper conversation. So I agree with you. We're really, we're improving the process for the good of all uh, and not just from the lens of, of race or gender. And so maybe with that, let's just take a, um, let's do a few statistics. And and if you had to think of the workforce of uh, the Minneapolis Fed, um, kind of gender and uh, minorities or people of color, what does that kind of look like at the Fed today? Yeah. So overall, uh, for the bank as a whole, we are at 30 percent uh, people of color. Um, and, you know, one way we like to think about it is that we want to look like the communities in which we operate. So just for the listeners, uh, we operate primarily in the Twin Cities. We've got roughly 1,100 employees who are here in the Twin Cities. We have a much smaller group of folks in Helena, Montana. That's a that's a whole other podcast about why do we have a, an office in Helena, Montana, <laughs> but that's part of the Federal Reserve. Um, and so for the bank as a, overall, we think we should look like the community. The community, the combined sort of blended community of Helena and the Twin Cities, think about that as being 24, 25% people of color. So we're, we want the bank to look like that. And then the thing, David, I think that's been really important for us, we uh, look at the sort of categories of employee. We don't just say we want to overall look at them because, you know, we don't want the folks who work in the cash processing unit to look different than the folks who are in the economic research unit and have got you know, econ PhDs. We think across the board. So one way we think about it is also what do our leaders look like? And there we're getting close to sort of a similar similar number. We're getting close to that 25% of everyone who's a people leader in this bank, 25% of that population are people of color. So we're, we're and, and just to give you a flavor, Five years ago, people leaders were closer to something like 13%. So in the last five years, that number's gone up. It, it's almost doubled. Uh, not, not, not exactly, but we're getting there. And that's for us, that's been a huge, huge deal. And I'd say one quick thing to sort of connect back to the part we were just talking about. The biggest thing that we've done is, and I don't know how else to say it, I think our prior hiring practices were, I'll just put it in air quotes, settling without realizing it. It's not like we were hiring people who weren't, uh, in some sense, quote unquote, qualified. But we, I think what we did was we hired relatively quickly. And the easiest thing to do was hire someone whose background and skills were very similar to the supervisor who was hiring. That's kind of what we did. And that just, it's funny, people will sometimes say, well, DEI, you're kind of limiting your pool. It's just the opposite. We're completely expanding the pool because the prior pool was people who look like people who are already here. Uh, and, and I think that's by sort of breaking that cycle and saying, we're not just going to settle for people that look like the people that are hiring. That's what's allowed us to bring in a lot more talented people. 
Wow, that's cool. All right, so you got my head spinning now because I, I have personally seen the change um, from being a um, a Fed member bank. Um, but I want to go in a couple different uh, areas to start with. Um, so we were just talking about you know the the demographics of Minnesota. That's about you know 24, 25 percent people of color, and um, your numbers are are better than that, and they're improving. So two things come to mind. Um, actually, many things come to mind, but let me just start with this. Uh, are you recruiting nationally or are you yeah. recruiting just locally? Yeah, we tend to recruit. We tend to recruit locally. Um, and, and frankly, the way we've tried to particularly the people leader uh, spot. So think of that as being roughly, you know, 180 people out of 1100, something like that. Those are people who've got somebody reporting to them. You know, a lot of people are a few people. We are trying to position ourselves to be where every talented uh, leader um, uh, who's a person of color, we want the best from, I hate to say it, Sunrise, and we want the best from General Mills. And, and it's not that we don't think the total pool should be made bigger in the long run through you know, introducing high school students to banking, and there's lots of other ways that the pool in the long run needs to get bigger. But I'll be honest. In the short run, I'm 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 focused on I'm focused on me, and I'm focused on this place. And if that means we're going to attract people from the really you know super, we've got a great environment in the Twin Cities. There's lots of fantastic companies. We want to be the place where uh, the, everyone across the board wants to come work for us. And again, since we're trying to broaden our pool, um, that's going to attract more people of color than we had in the past. Yeah. And so, gosh, a um, couple things. You had mentioned that, you know, your initiative has been going on and, and your numbers have been, uh, I'll say, improving since the in the past five years. Do you think the events here in Minneapolis in regards to George Floyd and some of the civil unrest, uh, was there an accelerant there in terms of the focus? No, I actually, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's been a focus. It's been a focus before that. I mean, for the reasons I just kind of articulated again, lots of reasons you could be interested in. The reason why we're most so interested in it is we think we're getting more talented folks than not necessarily than who we had before, but just as we replace people, we're widening our pool. I would say the George Floyd murder um, absolutely uh, required us to think a little bit more about the retention part of it and the inclusion part of it. But 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 it's also been a challenge, frankly, as opposed to an accelerant, because to the degree to which we were attracting people from outside the metro area, and that wasn't a lot. I mean, we've got some yeah. outside the metro hires. Um, it's made it a lot harder because when we talk to folks who are in Chicago or other places that might have some interest they're used to the weather, you know, they're, the, the, Minneapolis isn't completely foreign to them. I mean, some of the feedback we get is, I don't know if I want to move from Chicago to Minneapolis, given the climate that I'm going to face as a black woman, for example. So I think it's actually, it hasn't accelerated our interest, but I think it's provided headwinds to that process. Sure. It, it, it certainly has put a question in people's mind, given the circumstances in, in um uh, media and others that that's surrounding the issue. So I'm going to take you in a slightly different direction because um, I think it is significantly important that the Fed in Minneapolis is taking 
this mindset and this leadership role. Um, Cause it's not only, I think that banking should be diverse. I think it needs to be diverse. And you have a, uh, a line on, on the website that says pursuing an economy that works for all. And maybe I'll stop there for a second. And, and you could tell us, what does that, what does that mean? And then I'm going to circle back to the diversity piece. Yeah, no, no, I'm, that's our mission statement. Um, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you bringing that up. And, and it means, I mean, it means sort of what it says, right? Which is uh, the Fed's got some core responsibilities uh, around monetary policy. We provide oversight to the financial system. We provide payment systems. We work with communities to make sure people have equal access to credit. And when we do those things, our core work, that's got to benefit everyone. And that's, you know, certainly there's sort of the racial uh, ethnic lines we've been discussing. But let's just in Minnesota, that means people who are in rural areas. That means people who've got high school educations and people who've got PhDs. I mean, we can't carry out our public mission if it's not something that's going to benefit the full range of people that are here. And I guess maybe to link it back to the DEI part of it, that means we need to retain and attract those same those same group of people. We're not going to achieve that broad mission with a, with you know recruiting in a small, narrow part of it. Yeah. And if I could just touch on this, because the Minneapolis Fed has a specific emphasis in regards to tribal nations. And so um, when we think of the diversity, equity, inclusion, and economy working for all, um, have you seen anything different or change in the tribal nations in terms of the research that you do? So let me just maybe pick up uh, particularly an American example, uh, but the Community Reinvestment Act is something that the regulatory agencies, and for those that don't know, that's the really the sort of framework for making sure that credit is sort of uh, available to all communities. One thing we did was as that as that act is being updated by the Federal Reserve and other agencies, we tried to work with tribal nations. What is it that they think they need um, in particular, given the way that they're structured, given the legal framework, given how corporations uh, operate there, et cetera, what is it they need in that act as it gets revised to make sure that it's relevant for them? So that's just maybe one example about how that's that's a role that we think we can play, engaging with tribal nations, respecting their sovereignty, uh, but simultaneously figuring out how do we get information to folks making policies that's going to affect those groups. Yeah. So as I... Um, I, I, I'm really curious about that because um, uh, we a lot of times we we think of um, diversity in terms of gender and race, and we we uh, I, we have a tendency to leave the tribal nations out, and and to me that's a little short sighted. I really uh, I really love the emphasis of the Minneapolis Fed in that particular case, and want to include that in the conversation because it does it is quite a, a bit apart. Um, and an integral part of, of the Ninth Federal Reserve District. And for people who don't know Minnesota, North and South Dakota, uh, Montana, parts of Northern Michigan and Eastern Wisconsin, if I got my geography right. That was, you You are on your way to being a Fed, a Fed fanboy with that kind of nice job there, there David. So let me tell you this. So Ron, you're making progress well, in regards can I, can to- I see, wait, can, I, yeah. can I just connect back real quick on the point you made? I think, so what other emphasis, point of emphasis, I think that try to, it, it elaborates on the point you just made. I think one reason why that group of um, those folks are not part of the discussion in some sense is a little bit of a, what people call this data desert, which is, you know, it's not easy to get data on what's happening in those areas. So that's another area of focus, which is, 
Um, some of it is sort of centric, you know, how does the federal government go about collecting data, state governments, et cetera? How do the tribal nations collect data? How do folks put that together so that it can be used in policymaking? I, I think that's, it's a, not a sexy thing. It's a little bit of an infrastructure topic, but, but that's an important, that's an, I think that's one cause of what you just identified. And that's one thing we're trying to work on. Yeah. I mean, data is everything these days. And so if you can understand the data, um, and use it, it is one more tool, I think, in, in terms of being inclusive and understanding all communities uh, that you're looking for. So um, I'm impressed with the progress that you've made. Um, you know, businesses are are struggling. We're all competing to to hire uh, the best and the brightest and the most diverse if if as we think about it. What um and, and some of this is I believe is on on your website, but what uh, what works in hiring uh, new people? What have you found? Is there a secret sauce in terms of uh, hiring and retaining people to work at the Fed? Yeah, no, I wish there were a secret sauce. Um, so I think the single most important thing we did was the most was the most generic management 101 kind of things, which is let's be really clear on who's accountable for hiring decisions. And I think you know, obviously we want to give autonomy to frontline supervisors when they hire, but we've basically gone up the chain and said to the most senior people, you are accountable for what your area looks like. Um, and of course, there's no quotas, there's no numerical numbers. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. What, what we're saying is you're responsible in a way that maybe you didn't feel like you were before for exactly who's getting hired and making sure it's the absolute most talented people. And what that's done is uh, led to cases where the, you know, the inclination of the frontline supervisors who are fantastic here, and I, we wouldn't survive if it wasn't their work, but their, their motivations are really sometimes, how do I as quickly as possible get somebody to ensure that the things I'm being asked to do, the metrics I'm being asked to meet, how do I get that done as quickly as possible? And that makes a lot of sense. But that doesn't necessarily give us the upside we need as an organization for the long run. So the most, I would say the single most important thing we've done is we have uh, put a big emphasis on the senior leaders for all the hiring happening in their area. And then uh, Neil Kashkari and I, who are the president. So we've got, you know, we're not a huge organization, but, you know, we call them officers. So that would be AVPs, VPs, and senior VPs. Neil and I interview the finalists for every one of those jobs. Um, and it's we think it's a great use of our time. And it just, um, it reinforces to everyone that this is not something that's gonna be delegated to someone else, that we are individually accountable for the hires we make, and that we're individually accountable for ensuring that if we have to wait a couple more weeks to fill a, a position because we're gonna get the best people, that's what we're gonna do. So I think that has been the single most important thing to reorient everyone to what's our expectations around hiring. And final comment, it kind of builds on itself. So when people start seeing, oh, hey, uh, I waited a little bit longer. I had a, I interviewed more people. I had a broader range of folks. I got someone who I would have never thought I would have gotten. They're just, they bring, they had more experience. They bring different, uh, they're, they're, they're able to do more than what I just hired them for. It, you don't need to as much have the top-down look because they're excited about them themselves. So I feel like that it's not it's not a secret sauce. Um, I, and I think we've been fortunate a little bit that we've been able to to do it. 
I mean, frankly, David, if we had had the start of this initiative this year, boy, that would be a lot harder. I mean, the labor market is so much tighter than it was when we started this. I wonder, I wonder how successful we would be. But I think we five years ago it was a kind of different world. And I think that allowed us to get off on the right foot so that things are kind of embedded in how we operate now. Well, I think there's a tremendous lesson in that, uh, Ron, and I give uh, you you and Neil a credit. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the accountability and responsibility, when it lies in its square and it's transparent as to where the decision lies and ultimately the result, um, that is powerful um, and impactful to the organization, not only from the standpoint of the numbers of, of what it looks like when you hire, but the culture within the organization itself that this is the most important thing that um, our leaders have to do is hire the right people for the right jobs and the, uh, you know, skills and talents. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, David, when you say it like that, which I totally agree with everything you just said, it sounds so obvious, right? I mean, everyone says that everyone says, boy, if I had to spend another one minute on one task, what would it be? Well, it would be the people that you bring in, but then we, as managers and leaders, we confuse the issue because we also tell people, well, we want you to do also do this and also do that. So we've had to really discipline ourselves and say, the single most important thing we want you to do as a manager is make sure that you are hiring and retaining the best people because that is going to take care of so many of the other things that we need to get done. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it sounds obvious, but it's taken a lot of effort. And can I say one thing real quick? I think yeah. we've made a lot of progress. I think we're doing a great job. I don't have any illusions about how the focus we need to keep going forward. And in particular, you know, I think we 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 recognize that, boy, you know, uh, if Sunrise comes back and and they offer a bunch of people that work with us, if you had a big hiring spree and you hired, you know, 20 people from the Fed, some of these numbers would change because we're not a huge organization. And so I, you know, I, I don't want to say it's um it's tenuous, but I don't overestimate our progress and that there could be, you know, redress if we don't stay on top of this. Yeah, I would agree. And that holds true. I was having this conversation the other day. I, I described it as, um, listen, this isn't the the DEI diet we're going on. This is not a fad. It never has been for us. This is a lifestyle that we're going to do now and forever. And so our hiring practices, the way we view this um, is is going to be this way and improving continuously on and on and on. And so, all right. So as much as uh, I got to get a little selfish, but I have to say that, you know, the, the Minneapolis Federal Reserve in, in your leadership here is, is so important to banking. Um, I think banking should be diverse, but it needs to be diverse uh, to have an economy that works for all. And so I'm going to be a little selfish here and particularly for the bankers on the on the line. And that is, how do we think a diverse, um, one of the roles that the Fed plays is as, a, as an examiner and a supervisor of banks. How does a diverse supervisory staff make for a better bank exam? Yeah, I mean, I think so part of it is upgrading our talent across the board means that you're going to be dealing with people who when you know who can prioritize better, who can I, I think one of the main things when I used to uh, have the super I used to be head, head of our supervision function, the main thing I would hear from bankers that, um, I won't say annoyed them, but they raised questions in their mind was, hey, can you guys prioritize? Can you distinguish between something that's um, a technical violation of a really complex law that maybe you don't even fully understand yourself versus 
a credit culture that's really gone awry. And boy, if we have a downturn, you know, that's going to sink that bank. You know, if we get in more sophisticated people who can make those kinds of judgments and know when to accelerate things to their manager or not, I just think it's going to change the experience you're going to have. I mean, nobody likes to have a bank. No one likes to have an audit, you know, all of those kinds of cliches. But if you're dealing with uh, folks who are going to approach it from a slightly more sophisticated, less checklist kind of approach, I actually think um, the benefits are going to accrue to bankers. And I think that's by getting a high quality team in to meet with you, in to do the exam. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, focusing on the things that matter. And I, as I look at demographics now, the demographics in Minnesota are changing, but they're changing across the United States. And um, minority populations in some cases have become the majority and minority populations are are growing or increasing at a rate that that's greater than Caucasian ones. And so that the mindset of the a strategic lens of a bank and an examiner is what are you doing to serve your communities what are you doing strategically in which to engage all your population um, for the betterment of the bank let alone the community and the united states in terms of economic activity and so i think that diversity that comes from an institution that is the federal reserve is is so important, I think, in leading the example of banking that this diversity is good all the way through. Yeah. And maybe one other quick example. I mean, I tried to emphasize maybe from a banker's view, from a supervisory view, we have gotten a lot of benefit from having examiners who've grown up in agricultural production because uh, they kind of both, you know, they can understand what the issues are, but then they can also say, hey, something here just does not seem right. Well, just think about that more broadly. You know, if my set of experiences that I grew up with financial institutions is, you know, I got really high, I got high level service. I was never really taken advantage of. Again, I'm not talking about Sunrise, but, you know, there have been other banks out there in the Ninth District and other places where they've not been so scrupulous. And somebody who's grown up with maybe being treated differently than everyone else is going to have insight into, oh, I kind of know what's going on here in a way that a white male who's grown up and not experiencing that would just kind of say, well, that doesn't, you know, wouldn't even notice it. So I do think, uh, you know, having a wide range of people with wide range of experiences and the exam front is going to lead to a better exam because we're just going to bring more knowledge to it. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Ron, our time is flying here. Uh, I could talk to you all day because I know we're two kind of bank nerds when it comes right down to it. <laughs> but given our given the light of our discussion today, and this is the next gen banker question, what does the next gen banker look like? I think the next gen banker is somebody who is super excited about helping people in their community. Uh, reach their potential. And that sounds so hallmark. But I think, boy, I mean, you know, there's there's so much that finance can do for people. Um, there's so much that getting a loan at the right point in your life, you know, to get an education, to buy a house. And I think uh, the next gen banker is someone who's excited about that. And that's going to be people from the full range of communities that we have in this in this city, in this state, in our district. Um, so I, I honestly think I know sometimes people say, "Hey, I'm, you know, I don't really quite understand the attraction to banking." You said we're both bank nerds. I think it's an understanding that the things that people want for their communities are really made possible by banks and financial institutions 
who are providing credit at that exact moment in your life when you needed it. Um, and I know Sunrise has done super innovative things around, let's say, even providing, letting people get credit, um, you know, in their workplace that allows them to avoid, you know, um, a problem in paying rent or whatever. I mean, those getting credit when you need it, it's it's not like a fifth priority thing. It's like a first priority thing. And so I'm that's what I think the future looks like. People who are excited about that. And I think when they realize that that's what it's about, I think we're going to get a lot of people wanting to be engaged at the Fed and hopefully at commercial banks, too. Yeah, thanks for that, Ron. I think it's the the essence of why I love being a banker is I, I never really think about it as. I'm providing money, I'm providing someone the opportunity to buy the car that they're looking for, to grow the business that they have. It is uh, my ability to help them, again, achieve what they're looking to do. It's not necessarily all about uh, the bank. And so, well, Ron, thank you for joining us today. Uh, your insights into uh, attracting and retraining a diverse workforce are great. Uh, congratulations on, on where the Fed is today, but again, um, I would like to come back and, and congratulate you over and over again as you continue to make progress. And um, so it, we're, we're all on a journey here in which to have a more, I think, inclusive workforce and a better workforce at the end of the day. So thanks yeah. again for your time and joining the Next Gen Bank. Absolutely. Podcast. Thank you, David. All right. Bye-bye. For this episode's musical feature, we are showcasing Ben Kyle. Ben is a Minneapolis-based singer-songwriter who has been described by the Huffington Post as a sleeping giant. He is an award-winning songwriter who has worked with Ringo Starr, Ryan Adams, and Lucinda Williams, amongst others. Here is Ben's song, Don't Settle. Every two, don't settle Please don't settle I've been looking for the truth Since I left you, my Seek it, you will find There's a holy light that shines Through the troubles in our minds Through the rubble in our lives There's a spirit in the air Moving gently through your head Like a song That was Don't Settle by Ben Kyle. Hear more of Ben's music at benkyle.com. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Banker podcast, email david at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you next time.